Welcome to the Beach Catholic Podcast. We've got a great show for you today. Uh, today we've got some great discussion lined up, and as usual, I've got Father Brian Barr with me. How are you, Father? Hey, Lorenz. How you doing? Doing well, thanks. Additionally, Excellent. we've got a special guest for today's show. Uh, also from the Diocese of Rockville Center, we've got Father James Hansen. Father James, what's going on? How's it going, Lorenz? Good to be with you and with Father Brian, too. Yeah, I'm so happy you could join us, and congratulations on being our first guest ever uh, on the podcast. So as the first guest, let me ask you a quick question. How long have you been a priest for, Father James? Been a priest. Uh, next month will be two years. Two years of priest. Wow. that's uh, Actually, the time's gone by pretty quick. I remember when Father Brian actually first announced that you uh, were ordained. So I can't believe that's going on two years. I'm sure the time has uh, flown for you as well. Yeah, it's going It's going pretty fast, but it's been a good two years, and uh, it's it's been a blessing. It's been better than I, than I could have ever imagined. So it's uh, it's been well, well worth it. Great. Well, uh, you know what, Father James? I think there's a common misconception out there uh, that the decision to become a priest just happens overnight, and one morning you wake up, and out of nowhere, now you just know, uh, I'm going to be a priest. I'm going to assume that that's not the case for you. Um, so if, if you don't mind, can you quickly just share with us and the listeners just basically the journey that you went on to make this decision to become a priest? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's funny, Lorenz, you get asked that question a lot, and I was uh, I was asked that just yesterday by the fifth graders in religious education. I joked around. I said, my mother dropped me on my head when I was young. And that's where it all started. Uh, she probably did drop me on my head, but that has nothing to do with really, I think about that. Um, who knows? You know, I um, one thing I always say is I didn't know I was going to be a priest until the day I was laying on the floor of St. Agnes Cathedral um, because I really do think it's um, it's a process. It's a journey. It's kind of trying to submit to the Lord. Um, I really did try to take seminary one day at a time, and I, I still try to take every day uh, as a Christian uh, one day at a time. So, um, I, you know, I grew up, I worked in the rectory. Uh, I went to Catholic school my whole life, but I didn't always go to church. When I went to high school, I started working in the rectory, and I also went to Kellenberg Memorial High School, which is a great Catholic uh, Catholic school here on Long Island, and the rectory was a great uh, environment to work in. You know, I actually looked forward to going to work. That there was five priests that that lived at the rectory. They were joyful and they really loved what they did and and serving. So um, that was always on my radar screen as something something beautiful and good. Um, and it, I guess it really in college. I found myself kind of empty uh, with with all the things that were, were being offered to me. And so it was really, um, I guess, sophomore year of college where I just said, okay, I think I've had enough. And I decided to give seminary a try. That's awesome. And uh, obviously, Father Brian had nothing to do with this at all either, right? <laughs> No, no, he didn't. In fact, no, that's quite the opposite. Because on bad days, I, I often call him and say, this is all your fault. And it is true. It, it is. Um, yeah, you're right. I'm glad you brought that up, Lawrence. Father Brian was um, the vocation director when when I was discerning and um, actually started discerning when the vocation director was Monsignor Tom Coogan. And then 
and then uh, Father Brian, and uh, yeah, you know, I remember calling Father Brian up, asking for the application, and saying, I'm really thinking I must have lost my mind or gone crazy, and uh, <laughs> but got the application, it took a little while for me to fill it out, and going back and forth, having some doubts, definitely about entering seminary, but uh, Father Brian was a great encouragement, and uh, kind of kept pushing you through the door a little bit, uh, in a good way, in a good way. So, yeah, I'm really thankful for his example, his priestly ministry. Certainly, uh, certainly thank him for, for uh, the advice and guidance he's given me through the years. And why don't you uh, tell him a little bit about, um, even just kind of when you went in, the whole, I think a lot of times people are, they're not, they're not sure like what, what seminary is and you know, sometimes people are they're in they're in high school in the seminary, they're in college, they're post college. You kind of did a well, a little bit of both, right? Yeah, yeah. So I lived on campus for the first two years. I went to uh, Manhattan College in the Bronx at Jasper, and uh, the first two years I lived on campus. Really enjoyed it. I had a lot of good friends. Um, and then junior, year I went to seminary. Uh, it was difficult. It was difficult making that jump from. Kind of having a lot of freedom and, uh, you know, uh, deciding, you know, what are you going to have for dinner every night, either pizza or Chinese food, you know, uh, always eating out, always just living the kind of the college life. Uh, you don't really have to answer to too many people. Um, and then seminary was a complete, uh, complete 180. And it was, you know, you have to be up early for mass and for prayer. Everybody's telling you what you have to do or where you have to be. There's so much structure, um, discipline, prayer. Uh, so, you know, I, it was tough at first because I was fighting it. I was fighting it within myself. It was a lot of pride and selfishness, as sin is, you know, sin will do to you. Uh, but you, you submit. You learn how to try to die to self. Um, that's, that's pretty much the story. So... Um, of being a Christian, so I uh, didn't really like it at first, but you know, you, you do, great friends, uh, some of my best friends, I would say, are, are people I met in seminary and studied with, and, and try to learn how to be a Christian with, and a, and a priest, ultimately. That's amazing, and and it's no surprise that, you know, we've got a shortage of priests in the entire country, throughout the world, essentially, and, you know, Father James, we need more great men like you to, to make that decision. Um, but I mean, just listening to you speak, the words that I heard you say, a lot of them doubt, right? Uh, uh, a difficult, uh, uh, needing a lot of discipline. Uh, all beginning with D's, coincidentally. Um, but essentially <laughs> leading to, uh, to to making this this decision, and and it's it's not an easy thing to, you know, relinquish <laughs> your needs and just letting God take the wheel. Essentially, that's not an easy thing to do. Um, but you did it. But uh, I'm sure that our listeners are, and a lot of our listeners are, are kind of in that boat, doubt, difficulty, trying to make these tough decisions, needing some discipline to, to go into the right way. Um, and, and Father Brian, you and I were speaking offline that the, the last two Gospels since Easter really tie into that theme where if you're in this kind of mindset where I'm not exactly sure where I need to go, just like Father James was uh, before before he made that decision to to, to become a priest. A lot of people are sure. in that kind of limbo mode, and, and 
if you could speak about the last two gospels for the past couple of weeks and um, because we, we hear about it. We hear about Thomas. We, we hear about the two disciples uh, on the road to Emmaus. I mean, if you could speak to that really quickly. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, definitely. Hey, James, you jump in whenever you want here. Um, yeah, I mean, you have you know you had Easter Sunday, which is kind of obvious what, what happens that day in, in terms of the readings and the gospel. And then, and then the next two weeks, we're still in Easter. We're in the Easter season, and we're hearing from um, disciples. There's one more... <laughs> D word, uh, discipleship, you know, and maybe kind of a, uh, the word, you know, the difficulty and doubt. Um, I think that's, they're almost, they're dimensions. You know, if you're going to be a disciple, uh, it's, it's going to be difficult at times, uh, more than once in a while. And I think if you're going to be an authentic disciple, you're going to have your moments of doubt, you know, if we're, if we're at all honest, um, and if you look at, like you just said, some of the some of the characters, certainly Thomas, uh, that was the first Sunday or the, the second Sunday uh, of Easter, the, the first one after Easter Sunday. Um, and then and then the following week, you had these two guys who were on the road to Emmaus. They're leaving. Uh, they're leaving where Jesus was. They're leaving Jerusalem. You know, and the scripture scholars sort of interpret that as symbolic of walking away. Uh, well, they literally were walking away, but walking away from faith, walking away from the life that they had chosen, um, you know, these people, they all left. They left They left their families, they left their jobs, they left what they knew to follow him. And then in this one awful, you know, Thursday night and then Good Friday, like, you know, between betrayal and arrest and then murder, um, these guys were just, they, they were just, they had to be beyond them. They had to be just... They must have known what was going on. Um, you know, I think I spoke, I guess, the weekend when, when it was the Thomas reading, just about what he must have been feeling. You know, just actually, and the other two guys too on, on Emmaus. Um, first of all, they were had to be heartbroken. They had to just be sad. You know, grieving the loss of this hero, absolute hero figure in their lives. And they also had to be scared. Um, you know, people knew who these guys were. They knew they were followers of Jesus. Um, they were probably afraid that, well, they got Jesus. They, they may come after us next just, just to completely stomp out this, this subversive Jesus movement. Like, let's just make sure everybody's gone. So they were literally fearful of their lives. And, and then just the, the broader doubt thing, like... Was this thing a joke? Was this thing a whole, a complete waste of time? Like, what was I doing? What was I thinking? Leaving my life, leaving my family, leaving my, my career, leaving everything I knew, leaving what was familiar to follow this guy and have it all explode on Good Friday. And I just think, in a way, um, I think whether it's Thomas or these these other two guys, in some ways they they. They're reflective of of, of, of of everybody. They're like the culture today. I just think you don't have to talk to too many people or look too far. And, and if you have honest conversations with people about where they are you know, in the lives they're living and their, their their degree of happiness and fulfillment, I think we've got a lot of people out there that are different forms of, of sad and unsure and maybe scared. Uh, kind of not really completely happy with the life they're living. 
Um, and it doesn't have to be just you know somebody being crucified in order to, in order to experience that. It can be just lots of life experiences. Um, and I think what what's in both of these stories, like Jesus becomes the answer. You know, Thomas Thomas's doubt goes away when he encounters Christ. These two guys on the road last week, uh, their grief, their their confusion, their doubt, it goes away when they finally encounter Christ. So I think, you know, there's the common denominator. Jesus is kind of the remedy. Jesus is the, is the prescription in the course of life when we are sad and scared and, you know, unsure. Um, I just think all, all you just got to do is just got to like, then you, you just fill in the, Fill in the blanks, just like different examples from life, where we we become these these got these people on the road. Absolutely, and uh, I mean, after the gospel of like doubting Thomas, right? How <laughs> we say the doubting Thomas. Uh, just going back to the homily that you had a couple of weeks ago, it you said it you said it perfectly. I mean, sometimes it's it's okay to have doubt. I mean, that's not that's not the worst thing in the world, right, Father? Well, not only is it not the worst thing in the world, I think arguably it's a good thing. I think it's doubt. If doubt is uh, dealt with in a, in a smart way, I think it leads to a stronger faith and it leads to a, a more adult faith. Um, when we're afraid to, if we're, if we're afraid to really confront the questions that we've got, uh, you know, we're, we're never, we're never, get, that becomes a very sort of immature relationship. Um, think of Think of a relationship with a person. Like if it's like, I, I really need to talk to this a person about something and I'm afraid to. I'm afraid to address this question and I don't. And if I never fully speak to the, come, come clean with the person, you know, that's not authentic. That's, that's not free. That's not, that's not very mature, is it? So I think, I think doubt, doubts, <laughs> I don't know if I want to say it's a good thing, but it's a necessary thing. Um, I think it really depends on what you do with the doubt when you encounter it. Like, where do you go with the doubt? Um, well, Father James, I'm going to pick on you for a little bit <laughs> from here. Now, uh, we were just talking about your decision to become a priest, and you said it a, a few minutes ago that you had doubts. Now, I mean, the, the first question I have for you is, w when you had these doubts, what was your, your train of thought? Um, I mean, essentially... How how were you going to try to overcome these doubts? And and uh, the second question is, what was the moment? Maybe it's not the moment, but you know, what were the moments that really put you at ease and really put your doubts aside? I think just um, just reflecting on what Father Brian was saying, you know, in both of the stories, just uh, just reflecting on the Gospels before going into the question of Lorenz. You know, both of them hear stories. So, right, uh, Thomas hears an account that Jesus is risen. The two people on the road to uh, to Emmaus, they hear um, a story. And so I think it's safe to say they both had, yeah, they both had doubt from hearing stories. And I think, you know, in today's society, we're trying to talk to people about Jesus, but we're just essentially telling them stories, just, just like... Thomas and these two disciples on the road um, kind of heard. And, and, you know, you could hear it, you could think about it, you could discern it, you could, but um, what, what really brings about 
the conversion in both Thomas and in the two disciples is an encounter, uh, encounter with the risen Lord. And so um, that's, uh, I think that's key in what we do today as Christians, you know, um, trying to have people encounter Christ in the Eucharist, but also really see the way that Christ has been working in their lives. And it takes time, right? I mean, on the road to Emmaus, they had to open the scripture, right? And Jesus, Jesus, I love that line. He kind of says like, you fools, you know? He's like, oh, how foolish you are. How slow to heart, you know? Did it not all say this? So um, your two questions, Lorenz, was one was, uh, what, what was I doubting? And then the second part was, uh, when did it kind of... Uh, when did hope kind of break through and, and the, the doubt was uh, dispersed? Is that kind of well, what the, you're asking? The first question, I, you, you kind of answered the first question. <laughs> uh, the first question was essentially when you knew you had doubts of, of, of something great, becoming a priest, but you still had doubts for it. How you how you tackle that mentally? Well, first off, the doubts, if you think about it, they're really, they're really stem, I think, from selfishness and from sin. So... Will becoming a priest make me happy? Um, it's all about me kind of mentality. Um, will I be able to handle this? All these kind of, I think, seemingly selfish things. And the invitation from Christ is so selfless, right? And I mentioned in the beginning, too, it's like a death to self. So you're constantly trying to, you know, learn how, how to really die so that Christ might live in you. And um, the more you encounter him, the more you, you hear him say at the end of, right, what he says to Thomas, um, don't doubt, but believe, you know, and, and you have to kind of let him dispel that darkness and that sin and that selfishness. And, and it really does become this core belief that, you know, like, you know, like, look at Paul, at the end of Paul's writings, like, Paul, Paul's like, yeah, I got this, you know, I, I, I fought the good fight, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in it, to win it, um, but when did the doubt kind of go away, I think it's when you decide to continue to surrender, I mean, when you continue to decide to give your life over, and, and say, okay, it's not, it's not my will, but your will be done, and the encounters of Christ, I mean, with with priests, with the homeless, with the with the suffering, with the widow, when you can look into someone's eyes and you could just recognize Christ truly present, and you're like, no, yeah, I know he's alive. You know, I used to think. Uh, you said before I was uh, a previous assignment. I was in the vocations office, and you know, part of vocations work is, you know, you you are you're a recruiter in a sense. You're you're trying to get men to consider this life and um to some degree like like all recruiters uh you're you put stuff out there that hopefully will, will grab a man's attention so you know we put a lot of money and hours into putting a, a video together one year when i was on the job and every year you're you're designing posters and and you know kind of cool glossy literature and stuff and stuff that you can't you kind of hope is is going to grab some some man's you know attention and his heart and you have to do that stuff i'm not saying you shouldn't 
But you know, nobody's nobody's going to be ultimately become a priest because of a cool bumper sticker mm. or a cool video or a you know a sign on a, a billboard or something like that. And, and again, I'm not saying you don't do that stuff. That's just like that's just the start. Um, I mean, James, your your point about just encounter. We talk about this in, with religious ed in the parish all the time, especially with the older kids, middle schoolers. Um, it's really so much of it is just about trying to create opportunities for these kids to have an encounter with Christ, where you know they're not just memorizing uh, prayers and, and facts. And again, you know they got their place. You need that, but if it's if it's if it's something memorized without relationship. It's something memorized and soon to be forgotten. So I think so much of this has to do with just with encounter. It's like building a relationship with Christ. And when you start to do that, then you know the stuff that James is talking about, just surrendering. You know, that's like that's like real spiritual talk. Like I'm 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 gonna surrender my will, my desires, uh, to God. You know, like a God's God comes first. Um that's tough. I mean, I think, hey, you're you're a married guy. Uh, you you can relate to this too. And you just had a baby, you know. When we when we when we step further into relationships of love, it's constantly a surrendering. You know, it's okay. I, I'm now I'm married to a person. I'm not just thinking solo. Now there's a, there's another person in my life. And then add a baby to it. You know, I mean, you you could you could probably talk forever about this already. Um, so I don't think this, this isn't just a, a church thing or a priesthood thing. You know, it's a Christian thing. It's it's a discipleship thing. It's about surrendering to him. You know, in, in the James you mentioned before about laying down on the on the floor of the cathedral. That, you know, that's a, a really awesome part of um the 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 ritual uh, of ordination. Um it's it's just really kind of compelling and and most people have never been to an ordination so if they, they see it for the first time, it's like, what? Wow, like, what's going on? And it's, you know, the men, you literally, you lay down on the floor. You know, you, you're just laying on the floor, and it's just this, you know, I think it's an expression of humility, and it's also kind of an expression of, like, I'm just, I'm, I'm surrendering. I'm surrendering my life or my plan uh, to, what, to what I think, what I believe God wants. And uh, I love what you say, Father James, and, and you are very, very... Uh... You were very honest about it, where you say that your doubts came from a, a, a selfishness. And Father Brian, you said it perfectly. Let's say that you know before I, I had my kid and I had doubts about having a kid, right, or your first child. Mm -hmm. Well, what are your doubts coming from? Well, what am I surrendering? <laughs> like, what what am I giving right. up in order to have a kid? So, not all doubts, but I think what you're saying is. Sometimes doubt can come from really selfish wants or, or you know, what's in it for me uh, kind of kind of deal, and sure. that 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 whole concept of surrendering to to God and and letting His will take place. I mean, that's would you say that that's much easier said than done? Well, it's it's um, I think. With most things in the Christian life, it, it's uh, it's cooperation and and it's responding to grace. So the invitation, um, you know, we say that you, you will never experience a temptation that we can't 
you know, respond to grace and overcome it with with the help of God, right? So there's nothing that we're ever going to be in a situation where we absolutely had no choice and had to give in to the sin, um, right? Uh, that doesn't, that's not going to be the case. God gives us grace to cooperate. And so I th- it, it, it's building up. It's building up the virtues. It's like working out in the gym, right? I mean, you don't just go over and start benching with with two or three plates on the bar, right? You got you to gotta work your way up. And uh, the same goes with the spiritual life. But the more you cooperate with goodness uh, and with God, the the um, the more you recognize opportunities to surrender, and and you realize that the more you surrender, and the the more you begin to look like Christ crucified on the cross, and and Christ crucified on the cross is as blessed as you can be. So. It, it, it completely goes against, I think, everything the world has to offer or says. But, but in retrospect, it really does give you the peace of God. You know, and, and I also think, you know, I, I think sometimes people, they uh, they look at they look at what the priest is saying. They look at the, like the priest, and they think, well, we're just sort of, you know, we're we're getting this on on another level, and we're succeeding on on, on another level. Um, listen, it's, and we're not, you know, and, and I'm not saying I'm proud of that. I'm just saying, look, look, let's go back to these gospels. This was Thomas, you know, this was St. Thomas, the apostle. Now, maybe arguably at this point, he wasn't quite yet St. Thomas. It was, it was pre-Pentecost and, but I just, I love the fact that, I love the fact that Jesus just chose very imperfect vessels um you know yeah the symbolism we're laying down on that floor at the cathedral well the reality is yeah and and you do you do when you're ordained and it's awesome and it's powerful and it's um yeah there's also days when you you you, you slightly start to get off the floor and you you step away from you know we don't always live it out exactly the way we're supposed to like any other any other like like you you know like 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 a married dad or you know the, the way a, a, a 20 year old college kid should be should be living out his or her life or a or a grandmother or a grandfather like hey it's never done it's never done nobody's bat nobody bats a thousand here um surrenders the goal and, and when we're at our best that's what we're doing you know and when i well, you know what's another way of sin is when i when i renege on the surrender <laughs> when i when I when I grab the white towel and I say no, I'm not I'm not surrendering. I'm, I want I want to do it my way. I mean that's sin. Uh, and then hopefully you you confront it and you, you ask for forgiveness for it and then you you get back down on the floor. Yeah. So it's funny. Like people are always talking about my way. That Frank Sinatra song. You hear it at like people want it for funerals or things. I said, well, I hope. I hope that way looked like Jesus's way. (laughs) I know. Well, even the words of the song are like, it's sort of like this kind of self-absorbed, you know, description of of, of a person. So it's, yeah, that's not the ideal. It's not the ideal. I mean, so, I mean, I'm talking to two priests here, right? (laughs) And you're, you're out there in the world, you're speaking to parishioners. I mean, 
are there any examples that come to mind, real life examples that, that you see on a daily basis or maybe not on a daily basis where, you know, people, people have their doubts and, 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 and need some help to overcome them? Because uh, I'll, I'll tell you this right now, that the listeners that we do have, I'm sure that they have some doubts in their mind at, of something in their life. Sure. Well, you know, in, uh, in a couple of months, in late August, there's going to be a ton of kids going away to college for the first time. And they're going to be going, you know, leaving home for the first time. They're going to be the first couple of days. They're not going to know a soul. They're going to be scared out of their heads, looking for friends, looking to fit in. Um, and they're no, just, you're speaking like an old timer. They probably like figured out all their roommates and who lives in their house <laughs> through, through social uh, media. Maybe, this is, maybe sure. I know. Father Brian went to college in 1970. So. <laughs> That's a lie. It's a lie. <laughs> hey, whether whether it's 1970 or or whatever, it's you know you're scared. You're scared. Uh, fear. Just I mean, who's not who's not afraid? You know, people are afraid. I'm not saying with 24 getting old. afraid. <laughs> Um, you know, dealing like how do I how do I deal with the fears that I've got? How do I you know start a new job? I got canned. I got canned for my job. Um, I, they let me go. They, you know, you got you got let off after whatever. You, you worked a bunch of years and without knowing it, you know, you get the boot and now you're you know you're you're on the ropes. You're you're doubting your abilities. You got to go look for a new job. Doubt. You're dealing with you, you, this is unfair. Just the injustice of it all. Uh, and now you begin, you know, I played by the rules. I played the right by the rules my whole life. I, I think I've been a good person and now I get, I get, I get fired with, with no warning and I'm, uh, I'm scared, you know, and I'm, I'm questioning stuff. I'm beginning to think, well, maybe, you know, if God let this happen, maybe there's no God or maybe, you know, I'm just, I'm frightened. I'm frightened about the prospect of now having to saddle up and find a new job. Like it's, this is just, Hey, it's the, the widow. You know, the guy who's sleeping alone for the first time in, in 55 years. And he's waking up in the morning and he can't believe his wife isn't laying next to him. And the uncertainty and the sadness and maybe the fear involved in all those things. So I mean, this is just like everywhere you look, everywhere you look, you see you see some some version of it. And, uh, and once again, the answer really is it's just, you know, surrendering to God and and it's funny enough so uh, I'm actually in Pittsburgh right now like I told you guys I'm here for uh, for training for my job and coincidentally uh Justin Magaldi who used to be the youth minister down at St. Mary's uh, he's now a a tour manager for uh, a praise and worship tour uh, throughout the country and uh, he's doing a great job with it he happened to have a show in Pittsburgh uh, last night uh, this the same time that I was here, so it, the stars wow. really did align. So I was able to catch up with him, and uh, he, he he gave me a, a ticket to the show. So um, I'm at this uh, praise and worship. They they did have a talk, and and he brought up a great point, and it actually coincides with what we're talking about right now about surrendering to God and and how difficult that that could be. And the example that he brings up was was in the Old Testament, and he's talking about the, the Battle of Jericho, essentially, where God tells Joshua, you know, just walk. Just walk. <laughs> walk around Jericho. And he tells him to do it seven times. And if, if you think about that and surrendering to God, 
the first time you walk around, it's like, all right, I'm doing what God told me to. The second time he walks around, all right, I'm, I'm still doing what God told me to. Third time, fourth time, fifth time, and, and still nothing's going on. I mean, you, you got to be real. He had to have some doubt, like, what am I doing right now? <laughs> Walking sure. around for no reason. And then finally, seven times later, the walls break down. Now, the point that he brings up is it'd be a lot easier if every single time he walked around, the walls came down a little bit. <laughs> you know, so you could sure. see some progress. However, sometimes that's not how God works. And I, I mean, if you could speak to that, uh, either one of you, Father James, Father Brian, and and the difficulty of surrendering to God over and over and over again, but not thinking that there's any progress being made. I mean, how do you how do you touch on that frustration, essentially? Well, I, you know, it's a good lesson, I think, in reflecting on Scripture, saying um, God does not see as man sees, right? So um, whatever whatever we've defined progress as and, and however we think things should be unfolding, unraveling, um, it's not... It's not the way that God works, and, and we see that uh, even with the mission of Jesus, right? I mean, right? Like they want him to look, they want the Messiah to look a certain way. They want the Messiah to overcome these physical problems that are going on with, you know, being enslaved or kind of uh, entrapped by the Roman authorities. And, and Jesus comes on the scene and says, "No, it's it's not it's not going to look that way." Or no, we're not going to have it happen this way. So, I mean, we're it just comes down to you know surrendering and saying I'm not God and I'm limited and I don't understand everything and left on my own I'm inclined to sin and to to just look out for numero uno right for for myself. So, you know, God is always gently in, inviting us in the surrender to start seeing more the way he sees. And as Justin said, you know, it's, 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 you know, sometimes it, it involves walking around seven times the city saying, what, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's the way, I mean, that's the way God seems to work. You know, I think he also says, um, walk, walk the city seven times, but don't go alone. You know, don't walk it alone. I think um, Thomas's problem was he just wasn't around. Tom, Thomas had a tough time believing because for whatever reason, he went solo. Um, doesn't say where he was. It just says he wasn't with the rest of the disciples. You know, maybe he was out. Maybe he was out doing something good. Maybe he was going out to a deli to get food, to bring back food for the disciples. I mean, who knows what he, where he was, but he wasn't there. And I, and I think a big part of the, a big point with that in, in that story is, you know, the power of community. You know, when we're together, um, when it's like a collective surrender, it's not as tough. Um, you know, individual moments it is, but when you know you're not, I mean, it's cliche, but the strength in numbers. Whatever you're talking about, you know, you're, you're just trying to live a Christian, you're trying to live a, you know, an honorable life. Today, you know, in, in this culture, you're you're uh, Wall Street guy, and you're, you're you're doing well, and you um, you have temptations constantly to cut corners and to 
and to just uh, compromise your principles. And then you find out that there's a, three other guys in the office that are, that are church guys and that they're, they're, they're part of a, a men's group. And you realize, man, I'm, I'm not the only guy in this office that's conflicted periodically, uh, more, you know, challenged. You know, and I just get, I get built up by the fact that there's two other people, two other people thinking the way I am. Um, you know, the Eucharist, just the, pow the power, the community that gathers when we, when we celebrate and receive the Eucharist. So this is also, there's just a critical, critical communal dimension to all of this. Like, you don't go it alone. You, you, you're dead if you do. <laughs> I mean, that's perfect. That's. Well, guys, you know, we've been talking about doubt a lot and, and surrendering to God. Uh, any final thoughts on this before we go? You know, today I was talking to um, a family, and there was uh, one of the, the the youngest member of the family was in first grade, and uh, she was sitting there quoting scripture, and we were talking about sin and we were talking about death, and. We mentioned Lazarus being raised from the dead. We mentioned the widow name and her son, you know, being raised from the dead. And she, this little girl, she's tiny. She, she's just, oh, yeah, no, I remember that story. And, and she was explaining things to me. There was not a drop of doubt in this little first grader. It was, it was all faith and complete and utter faith and living it like not just like uh talking and it was a great reflection for me because i was just sitting there saying oh man i i really want to have the faith that this little first grader has <laughs> um yeah and it's the truth i mean it was, it was the truth i was so moved so inspired and you know i even said these these people came here today to speak to me thinking I might have some advice or some help or some guidance for them, and I walked out of the room saying, "They just they just touched they just touched my life they just touched my heart they just they just increased faith in me and, and gave me something to to pray about and it, it, it aspire to." So I don't know maybe something for us to reflect on. What is it that gets in the way? I mean, I, I've offered selfishness, sin, and pride, but I I, I would say, what is it in adults? that we just can't seem to submit? What is it that makes us treat other people poorly? What is it that makes us not trust God? I, I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's funny how uh, <laughs> the the innocence of, of a child can teach us so much, and there's so much value in that, huh? It is. It's pretty awesome. It's um, But it's real. I mean, I don't doubt it for a second. I mean, it's such real, authentic faith. And Father Brian, any final words on the topic? Well, James, you were just—you were only in first grade about four years ago, right? So, <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty clearly. Excellent. <laughs> I touche. I mean, I got nothing. It's too late. You got any reflections, old man? No, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. Okay, great. Well, uh, Father James, thanks so much for joining us, and we definitely hope to have you on soon again. All right. Absolutely, Lawrence. It's been good, and I promise to pray for you and uh, your family, especially your newest family member. Much appreciated. <laughs> and uh, Father Brian, as always, thank you again for joining us. Definitely, definitely. You bet, James. You got to come back too. It'd be good, Absolutely. good to do this again. 
All right, don't forget you can listen to Father's Gospels and homilies and past episodes. Um, of course, if you have a question, please send it in to beachcatholicpodcast at gmail.com or you can connect with us at facebook.com slash beachcatholicpodcast. Uh, rate and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. And obviously, feel free to share with your loved ones. And we'll be back next week. Have a good night, guys. See you, Lorenz. Bye, Lorenz. Good night.